Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. What's up, everybody? My favorite gathering of the entire weekend right here. My Monday night people. You're six days in. Resolution already done or what? Like what's, like you're good? Man, it is good to be in the house of God. I hope that you had a restful break. Yeah, it's good to be back in God's house. I missed y'all last week, man. Um, I'm glad that we do that because it gives us a chance just to kind of reset and rest a little bit. And I hope that you were able to do that. But thank you for the way that all weekend, man, people have walked back into this building with anticipation and excitement for what God has. And you should because 2019 was amazing. By every measurable way, 2019 was the greatest year in the history of any church. It just was. And, and like, it's not all about, the, the numbers aren't everything, but the numbers aren't nothing at the same time, right? Like, I know numbers in the church are kind of a weird thing to talk about, but do you realize, have you ever noticed in the Bible they counted everything? Like, Everything. There's a reason why we know that Jesus fed all those thousands of people and all those people came to Christ when Peter gave the Pentecost message. There's a book in the Old Testament called Numbers. Like all those measurable ways God did amazing things in 2019, but we believe that we've only just begun. That what God has, because God, our God is a God of more. And in Christ, everything that's ahead of us is always better than what's behind us. Come on, somebody. Like, that's just, that's just the truth of his word. And so we, we lean into that. And the thing about a new year, like, there's something about, like, a new year that helps it feel like it's, it's, it's a fresh start, right? It's a clean slate. And, and that can be really exciting. But can we just be honest tonight? I know this is church, and you ain't supposed to be honest in church. You were supposed to pretend and act like everything's fine. And if that's what you're used to, welcome to Venice Church where, where that ain't us. We just reel about how messed up and crazy we are. But can we just admit, too, that even things when they're new are scary? No matter how great they may seem at the beginning, like, like new things with all the potential and possibility that they have, there's also a lot of fear that comes with something new. Like you get a new job, and that's great, and it's a better paycheck, but now you got to deal with new colleagues and learn how to navigate new office politics. And there's all kinds of new things that are scary to have to manage, even though it's new and fresh. Come on. New relationships. They're beautiful. And you got butterflies, but you don't know her that good yet. She might be crazy, and you just haven't seen it yet. Like... Fear is a funny thing. Fear is a funny thing. 
And what I've realized is, is, is fear is something that my whole entire life I've never been able to escape. Come on, somebody. Like everywhere you go, there is some new reason to be afraid. No matter what season you're in, no matter how good it is, even in the beginning, there are things that are scary about every season of life. And I wrestle with that. The reality that fear is so much a part of our lives. And fear comes in many forms, doesn't it? Fear comes in all shapes and all sizes. And fear can come out of nowhere like an annoying little ninja. Come on, have you ever been like, like things are good and everything's great and you're coasting through life and you got enough money and relationships are good and everybody's getting along and then boom, everything in 24 hours, everything can go sideways. Somebody testify, come on. Like just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, things just, and it's, fear can just hit you like a tidal wave that you never even saw and just crash over the bow of your soul. And next thing you know, it's all that you can take to kick to the surface just to gasp for air. There's silly fear and there's serious fear. There's irrational fear and there's fear that kind of makes you feel responsible. I've had it all in my life. And what I've realized is like, I've been afraid for 41 years. That's how old I am. <laughs> for all kinds of different reasons. When, when I, I used to do youth ministry, I did youth ministry for years, and every summer I would take my students to a church camp every summer when we lived in South Carolina. And we'd go to this place called the Table Rock Camp, and we would go to the Table Rock State Park every single summer. And it was this, they had like this big lake that you can swim in, and way out in the water, Table Rock had a high dive. And when I say a high dive, it was Jesus' high dive because it went, it went all the way to heaven. And, like, I'm normally not afraid of heights. Like, you can put me on a roller coaster, and it can turn and spin and go as high as possible, and it doesn't scare me. I don't know if I just have too much trust in the sketchy guy who buckled me in. <laughs> but, like, I feel safe. But even, like, like, I don't understand people who skydive. You pay good money to jump out of a perfectly good airplane strapped really close to somebody you don't know very well. Just seems strange to me. But the high dive just wasn't my thing because it's like, it's like a free fall. And then one day we're out there and I got all, we're at, it's, it's like middle school camp. So you got middle schoolers, so you got a camp full of demons. <laughs> no, they're awesome. And they noticed like that, that all week that Matt hadn't been off the high dive. So one of the students looks at me and says, Pastor Matt, are you afraid to go off the high dive? No. <laughs> well, why don't you then? I don't want to. <laughs> and so then you know how it goes. It starts to build. Pastor Matt, I'm scared to go off the high dive. And I'm afraid of the opinion of a bunch of 14-year-olds with zits all over their face and don't know nothing. <laughs> and I start, it starts getting in my head. And I'm like, like I can't, all right, I got to go off the high dive. I got to go off the high dive. So I start swimming out to the high dive. And you know, it's funny. It looks tall from a distance, but the closer you get, you're like, dear Lord, what have I gotten myself into? And, not, like, and it was bad enough, like there was, a, there was a line. So now every, the entire camp is swimming out to the high dive. And so like you're out there treading water, waiting to go your turn. And I'm watching all these kids go off and doing all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, like, like when I do this, like I can't do just a cannonball off the, I've got to go full on Olympian off this thing. 
Like in my mind, I'm thinking I'm doing two or three flips, and then I'm doing a spin, perfect, no splash, feet in the water, tens going up all across the camp. So it comes my turn, and I start climbing up this ladder up to the high dive. Three days later, I get to the top. And I get up there, and like, next thing I know, I hear somebody say, Pastor Matt's going off the high dive. And the entire eyeballs of the, all of the camp turned towards me. And like, I just feel this pressure. And like, fear came over. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to throw up on the diving board, slip and fall off this thing. That's what's going to happen right now. And so in my mind, I'm formulating my plan. And, you know, if you go off a diving board, there's like a, there's, there's, you got, you got to hit the edge just right. Come on, people who've like jumped, like there's a certain place you got to hit on that board so you get that spring. So it shoots, catapults you up in the air so you can get optimal height to do your triple gainer flipper thingy. (laughs) And so I start kind of like, and I feel like it's like in slow motion. And you know, like going, and I'm thinking, all right, I got to time it just right because I got to let make sure my foot hits the edge of that board so I get that spring. But the further you get out on the high dive, the the more you can see how far it is down to the water. (laughs) And as I got to the edge, fear gripped my body in such a way I went up and instead of hitting my toe, on the edge of that diving board, I clipped my heel and went head first and did the most epic belly flop <laughs> from three miles in the air that you have ever seen. My whole body felt like it had been hit by knives. I was like, I was tingling all over from my head to my toe. And of course, the first thing, the last thing that I heard as I hit the water was the collective, oh! And I come up and everybody's laughing and cheering. I'm thinking, I hate all y'all. I ain't telling none of y'all about Jesus anymore. You can fend for yourselves. Fear is a funny thing. Fear will make you do really weird, stupid things. Irrational fear. But then there's real fear. Like valid fear. Like fear that when it hits you and people know what's going on in your life, everybody agrees that they would be scared too. Come on. Like the kind of fear that that hits you when your wife is about 26 weeks pregnant and you go to the doctor on a Friday thinking you're going in for just a normal routine checkup to check on those twins that you've prayed for for so long after going through two miscarriages and now that God has answered those prayers and your wife is carrying those two precious babies and you're just believing that everything is going to be fine, everything is going to go smoothly and next thing you know, you go in for a routine checkup and you find yourself checking into the hospital because Ashley is in preterm labor. And next thing you know, my wife is being rushed in and she's in this bed and she's got all these little things hooked all up to her and they're monitoring everything and they're talking about preterm labor and then they bring a NICU doctor in there and he begins to like unpack all the the complications that can come about when babies are born that prematurely begins to talk about the, the the lack of brain development and lung function and blindness like that's a whole nother kind of fear that's a fear that, that, that you don't know what to do with. That's a fear that will push you towards prayer. 
The next thing you know, you realize like you're not leaving that hospital tonight or anytime soon. And they've got Ashley hooked up to all these machines and they're giving her all this medication. And they're telling her basically you can only get up to go to the bathroom. And every so often people are coming in to check things and and watch monitors, that kind of stuff. And then two days later, you're still in the hospital and your wife wakes you up at about 5 o'clock in the morning gasping for air because she can't breathe. And then fear just turns into panic. And you call nurses in, next thing you know, this team of people is rushing into this room. And so now, not only are you scared for your unborn babies, you're fearful for your bride. Because the medication that they had given her had caused her lungs to fill up with fluid. And they're bringing in portable chest x-rays. And, and, and they're, they're saying all these things that don't make sense. And they're immediately trying to stop this from happening. Now it's not just about saving my kids, it's about saving my wife. And they come in and they say, we're going to have to take your wife off all these medications that are keeping her from going into full-on labor. And without these medications, within 24 hours, these babies will be born. And they take you up and they give you a tour this time of the NICU. And you're walking around and you're seeing the smallest little babies you've ever seen in your life. Tiny, tiny little, it's hard to even believe it. And they're hanging on for dear life. Fear. Fear that'll make you pray so hard that you're willing to sleep the next 35 nights on an egg crate, on a sofa at women's hospital, just asking God to allow those babies to develop just a little bit longer. A prayer that God answered. We prayed so hard, those babies stayed in there all the way to 36 weeks, which is practically full term for twins. And they were delivered healthy. But you want to talk about fear. And what I've discovered is constantly I'm in this battle with fear. And I would like to say that, you know what, here I am, I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher and I, and I study God's word for a living and I'm supposed to be this, this, this person of faith and trust God, but yet I find myself on a daily basis facing something that scares me to death. And so I do all the things that I've been told my whole life you're supposed to do that are an antidote to those feelings. I dive into the word. And I, and I share my, my burdens with people close to me to help me carry them. I talk to Jesus and I talk to other people. And I, and I, do all, I lean into all those disciplines that everybody's told us that will grow your faith to the point where you don't have to suffer that fear anymore. And yet I'm still scared. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about tonight? Come on, somebody. I go to the Word. And I read verses like this. In Psalm 56. David writes, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? And I know all these things. Because I've been in church my whole life. I've been exposed to the Bible my whole life. And you know what? You tell people you're afraid and they come back at you with that whole thing of, you know, there's 366 do not fears in the Bible. One for every day of the year and leap year. Shut up. That does not help me right now. And somewhere along the way, I think 
I don't know if I was taught it or if I caught it somehow, or maybe it's just I developed in my own, own mind. Like, is to be faithful to be fearless? Like, is that the expectation that God has of me? To be faithful is fearless? That, that if I have any measure of fear, I'm completely absent of faith? And I think that's kind of how we're almost led to believe, isn't it, in the faith community? That, oh, if you have any measure of fear, you just don't trust God enough. You just don't have enough faith. You're just not reading enough of the Bible. You're not praying enough. And so that's kind of what, what happens to us. And so we get into this place where we think if fear is present, then faith must be absent. And then you get to that point, okay, like if, if that's the case, then then. If you experience fear along with it, you experience shame. Right? Because, like, I'm supposed to be this faithful person, and yet I constantly have this fearful emotion. And so I'm ashamed that I'm fearful. So now I'm scared and I'm ashamed. And, man, the enemy gets in there, doesn't he? If he can get you scared and ashamed, he can start to leverage things in your life to cripple you. And it's not that you're driven by fear but you're crippled by it. It's not that it's the driving force, but it's a limiting factor. So this year, as I walk through things, and, and you know, here's the thing, God's been opening doors for me and for our church, and even like, like the God things are scary. And I feel that, my, like that emotion of fear kind of on the regular. And so I began to wonder, like, okay, has what I thought my whole life about this, is it even really accurate? Is the presence of fear really the absence of faith? Or do they, should they, must they coexist? That, that maybe just because fear is present doesn't mean faith is absent? Maybe you can be simultaneously fearful and faithful, maybe both of those things can happen in the same spirit. And that maybe my misunderstanding of fear and faith has led to a lot of unnecessary shame in my life. That even as, as I've looked at scripture, and I think we look at these biblical heroes and just think, oh, they were fearless. Abraham did all this stuff because he was fearless and Noah was fearless and Jacob was fearless and, and Moses was fearless and, and Jesus was fearless and Peter and Paul, they were, they were fearless. Then I start reading the scriptures and I'm, I start to wonder like, maybe that wasn't the case. Can I submit to you, I think even Jesus at least had a moment when he was afraid. When he was scared of what lay ahead of him, go with me. Look at Luke chapter two, 22, pick up with verse 44. I'm reminded, let me set the scene. This is when, when Jesus is about to, to, to head toward doing all that God put him on this planet to do. His time has come. He's about to go through the, the worst evening and day of, of, of any life in history. Go through trial after trial after trial. Go through the worst beating that any human can get and not die. 
and then go to the worst form of capital punishment in crucifixion that humanity could ever create. Luke 22, verse 44 says, And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling upon the ground. Like that Jesus in this moment is so overwhelmed with what lays in front of him that he is so stressed in this place that there's, a, there's actually a physiological thing happens where you're stressed to the point where the capillaries begin to burst and secrete blood into your sweat glands. And so your sweat glands have a reddish tint as it comes out of your pores. And Mark would write that This is what Jesus would say in Mark 14, verse 34. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. I see a measure of fear. And I know I'm messing with some people's theology in the room. Like, no, 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 Jesus was just overwhelmed. Is there a difference? Why would he... He's overwhelmed with, and here's what, see, Jesus, number one, he's about to have all of the sin of humanity dumped on him and about to feel the impact that sin has on humanity and the relationship with the Father. For the first time, he's going to feel what it's like to be separated from the Father. He's going to feel something he's never felt before. He's going to experience something he's never known before. Is there more fearful space than that of the unknown? Not to mention the thought of the physical. Jesus would have seen people crucified his entire life. They didn't invent crucifixion for Jesus. You know that, right? By this point, we think he's in his 30s. For 30-something years, he had heard the screams of people sitting, standing, nailed to a cross. That maybe Jesus in this moment is experiencing what we experience because the writer of Hebrews says that he experienced our experience in every way. Hebrews 4, 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. See, maybe, maybe faithful does not mean fearless. Maybe fear and faith coexist. Maybe we can experience and feel fear and still be people of faith. Thank you, Brianne. Appreciate that. Because here's, here's what we have to, because for one, fear is really an involuntary reaction to situation and circumstance. Like sometimes we don't choose fear, it just comes. We don't sit there and think, I think I'll be fearful tomorrow. <laughs> right? No, life just throws something at you, and just the, the, the instinctive reaction in your spirit is just think, whew, that's scary. And you know what I've learned? I don't always, I can't always control what I feel. Now, I never have permission to allow my feelings to control me. Did you hear me? But I can't always control the emotion that hits me in the moment. I can't let the emotion take control. I can't let the the, the emotion take charge. But sometimes it's just an involuntary. And we have turned fear, especially in the faith community, into this absolutely negative emotion, haven't we? 
But I would say some measure of fear is necessary for survival. How many of you in the room are alive because something scared you so much that you didn't do it? Fear kept you out of that car. Fear got you out of that relationship. Fear caused you to leave that party. Fear allowed you to have enough sense to resign from that job. Come on. See, sometimes fear is not a sign of an absence of faith. It's a symptom of the presence of intelligence. That God has given us that emotion for survival and for instinct. I'm going to say something really crazy. I would actually submit to you that if you're not somewhat fearful, you're not faithful. Because when you walk in faithful obedience to God, it will force you out of your comfort zone and toward the unknown. And if that doesn't scare you, you crazy. All I know is when I'm walking in faithful obedience to God, he's constantly calling me out of places that I'm comfortable. He's constantly calling me toward things that don't make sense in the moment. Things that I don't have enough money to accomplish. Things that are outside my gifting and my talent. Things that I don't have the support around me to even make happen. And that's scary. So if you are not at all fearful, I would submit, then you're probably not walking in fullness of faith. So we say, Matt, what are we supposed to do with all this stuff in the Bible then? This do not be afraid. Can I just say, this is what I'm learning. When the Bible says, do not be afraid, I think what he's, God's trying to communicate to us is don't be so afraid that the fear wins over the faith. That, that yeah, there, you're going to face things that create that emotion to well up in you. You're going to walk in spaces that scare you. But don't be so afraid that your fear causes you to abandon your faith. That you can look at fear and feel fear and experience fear, but still walk in faith. Even in the midst of the fear, you can look at fear and say, I see you, I feel you, but I'm going to trust God anyway. I'm going to walk in faith. That God, and so... I spent so much of my life feeling shame and guilt over the presence of fear and wasting so much energy trying to completely erase it from my life. And just what I've learned is I can't completely eradicate all fear. I got two kids that are going to be driving in like three years. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Like there are scary things out there. And fear is a very natural response to those things. So I'm learning just to like embrace it and just acknowledge it, but not let it win. Refuse to let it have control. Refuse to allow it to swallow up my faith. And so when I I say fear less, I'm meaning fear less than faith. That if this is fear, I need faith to at least be here. I need this much more faith than fear so that I keep walking in obedience to God. Because see, Fear is an evidence of the absence of faith. Disobedience is. Did you get that? Fear is not the evidence of the absence of faith. Disobedience is. 
See, I've, I've got to learn that, like, if I'm waiting for the fear to go away, then I'll, I'll be paralyzed my whole life. It's, I see you fear, and I'm going to go through you. I'm going to go around you. I'm going to keep, I feel the fear, but I'm going to continue to go forward in faith in spite of it. Fear, I don't need you to go away because I got more faith than fear. And so I've been learning like how to do that, how to just accept, because you know what, this year what's ahead of me is, is as scary as it's ever been. Because God is calling me and our church and my family towards new places and uncharted territory and unknown and uncomfortable. And just the reality is, it's scary. And maybe that's you too. The 20, 2020 is, is going to be this crazy year of all these unknowns. And you're, you're afraid. And maybe you've let just, you've had well-intentioned people say, oh, don't be afraid. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> that's really easy to say. So I'm not telling you to be fearless as in, hey, the goal as we start 2020 is completely eliminate fear. No, I'm praying that even though fear is there, that what we're going to do throughout this next few weeks, months, however, we're going to do something we've never done before. We're starting a series today. I don't know when it'll end. It'll end when I'm done learning See, and here's the thing. God's teaching me this and then asking me to teach it to you as he's teaching me, and I can't stand when he does that. I would rather have learned it and walked through it a little bit than try to teach it. But I'm learning that, like, fear less than faith. Let my faith rise up even in the midst of the fear. And on this journey, what God's been doing has been taking me into several places in Scripture. And one of the places that God constantly brings me back to is the story of Moses. Because I can relate to Moses. Moses was tasked by God to take his people from where they were to where God wanted them to be. They were in Egypt, and they had been there longer than God intended them to be, and it was time for them to go to the land that he had promised them. And Moses said, all right, Moses, I need you to do a burning bush. God picked Moses and said, I need you to go start getting these people moving from where they are to where they're supposed to be. Because I feel like that's the purpose of my life is to help people go from where they are to where God wants them to be, from lost in their sin to experiencing grace and walking in fullness of faith in Jesus Christ. Like, that's the goal of my life, so I relate to that. And so God took me back in to Joshua chapter 1. So go there with me. Joshua chapter 1, pick up with verse 1. When we get here, Moses is gone. Moses got to lead the nation of Israel for 40 years and deal with all their stubbornness and frustration, but he never got to take them to the promised land. He gets them right to the edge, but Moses makes a decision. He ignores some details, and he disqualifies himself from being able to be the one to take them all the way. And so God asked Moses to pass the baton to Joshua. And as Joshua gets the mantle of leadership, this is what God says to him as he takes on this assignment. Look at it. Joshua chapter 1, start with verse 1. It says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses." No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. 
Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it, from the left or the right, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you notice what God never does in that entire conversation? He never asks Joshua to be fearless. He commands him to be courageous. He doesn't ask him to be fearless, but he commands that he be courageous. If you look up the word courageous in the dictionary, it says undeterred by danger or pain. He says, he doesn't say be fearless. He says be courageous. He's basically saying, Joshua, you know that what lies ahead of you is scary because you're not, you're not ignorant to it. Mo, he had been watching Moses try to lead these stubborn people all this time. He was no ignorant to the assignment he had been given. He knew the challenges that lay ahead of him. He knew the darkness that was going to, the loneliness, all the things that were going to come about him as he tried to lead this nation from one place to the next. And to ask him to be fearless would have been really mean and unfair. Because God knew, Joshua, there's going to be stuff as you try to lead these people forward that's going to scare you. That's going to be difficult. You're going to come up against obstacles that you're not going to know how to deal with. You're going to come up against armies that are stronger and better than you. You're going to have a lot of reason to be afraid. Because those sweet babies are going to come teenagers. Because that job you love is going to come with higher expectations. Because the things that you know now are going to be very different than the things that you need to know four years from now. There's a lot of reason to be afraid. Welcome to Venice Church. <laughs> Were we honest? But don't be deterred. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it cause you to doubt the goodness of your God. Don't let it cause you to move backwards. That even in the midst of those scary, fearful, dangerous things, you walk in faith, trusting in your God. The object is not fearless. It is courageous. Courageous. Walk forward in faith. See, this is what I've learned. This is the definition for courage that God put in my heart. Courage is faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. That's the goal. Faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. That's what God was calling Joshua to do, to be faithfully obedient even in the midst of very fearful circumstance. And you know what's interesting is this is not the first time that Joshua heard this. If you go all the way back into Deuteronomy chapter 31, when Moses is first passing the baton and letting him know that he will be the one to succeed him, 
Look at what happens. Look at this conversation. Deuteronomy 31, 7. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall give it to them as an inheritance. I think that God is repetitive in calling Joshua to be courageous because he needed it. Because there were moments when the task he had been given, when the, when, when the assignment that was ahead of him was so overwhelming to him that fear wanted to cause him to give up. And the fear wasn't going to go away because the challenges were going to continue to grow. So he had to be constantly reminded, and maybe you do too, I don't know what 2020 has for you. I don't know what the next decade will bring. I don't know what's happening in your family, but I understand it's scary. I get it. I don't blame you for being afraid. But my prayer for you is not that the fear will completely go away because I don't think it's gonna, but the faith will build and rise up in your spirit. And that even though the fear is present, that your faith will grow as we walk through this together over the next few weeks where that fear gets swallowed up in the faith that God wants to build in your life. See, when I look back on people of Scripture, Abraham didn't leave the land he had always known and head towards the land that God has promised because he was fearless. He did it because he was courageous. Noah didn't pick up a hammer and start building an ark in the middle of a drought in anticipation of a flood because he was fearless. He did it because he was courageous. Moses didn't walk up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go because he was fearless before the most powerful human on the planet at the time. He did it because he was courageous. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was fearless, but because he was courageous and knew that being obedient to the plan of his heavenly father would always be what was best. Peter didn't stand there on the day of Pentecost and preach that first gospel message because he was fearless of what everybody was going to say because he was the one that had just denied Jesus and now he's up there proclaiming his glory. He didn't do that because he was fearless. He did it because he was courageous. And my prayer is that God will begin to build courage in us that even in the midst of fearful circumstance, we will remain faithfully obedient to what he's asking of us. And now I know you're asking, Matt, how do I build that kind of courage? Well, that's what we're gonna try to talk about over the next few weeks. But the reason why we gotta have this conversation first is because you'll never start building courage unless you start owning up to the fear. And maybe for the first time ever, for the first time, you just need to get honest about the things in your life that are scaring you right now. Maybe it's with God and you say, God, like I'm so scared of this thing or this situation or what's going to happen. Or maybe you need to have the courage to swallow that pride and shame and look at a friend, a spouse, a member of your life group, a neighbor, somebody and say, hey, can I just tell you that this is happening in my life and I'm really scared Because the greatest way for fear to swallow you up is for you to try to face it by yourself. 
Those relationships are necessary to build the faith that swallows up the fear. So would you stand up on your feet? As we enter into this time of worship, as we wrap up tonight, this is my prayer. It's not about getting out of here. It's not about going to get your kids. I know there's a lot of things that make us rush out as we wrap up a gathering. But can you just have maybe the the first real, honest, transparent moment with God that you've had in a really, really long time where you just get real about the things that are in front of you that are scary? They're there. And they're not going to go away. They're just going to keep coming. But God can build in you a faith that is bigger than your fear. So God, I pray that that would start now. That you would use this space to lean into your presence, to begin to build in us not a fearlessness, but a courage that wells up in our spirit, that allows us to embrace the fear, to look at the scary things and say, I see you and I acknowledge that you're there but I'm going forward. I will not be deterred. I will not be moved. I will not waver. I will trust and I will faithfully obey the God calling me forward. God, work in our hearts right now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.